When you are working with students, postdocs, or alumni, do you always feel credible? Do you sometimes feel incredible? Is your own story a big part of the advice that you give others? Join us for this discussion where we touch on some of these questions, as well as imposter syndrome, omics, pythons, and even random forests. So, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Unconference. It's a GCC podcast where we always try to leave you with more C's and fewer G's. Uh, Roseanne and I are very happy to be chatting with our, our guests today for this episode, Rachel and John. And I think it's always great to start off with some introductions so that everyone knows who you guys are. Yeah, sure. Um, and thank you, Joseph and Roseanne, for the invitation. And nice to talk to you too, John. My name is Rachel Bernard, and I am Director of Graduate Career Development in the Graduate School of Arts and Sciences at Columbia University. My job is to open a new office um, to serve all graduate students in the arts and sciences at Columbia. So that breaks down to about 1,800 master's students and 1,800 PhD students in all fields of arts and sciences. We used to be served by the Central Campus Career Center. And now we're starting our own office. So we launched officially in July. And John? Thanks very much for having me today. It's nice to talk with you, Joseph and Roseanne, and of course, Rachel as well. Uh, again, my name is John Taborn, and currently I work at the National Institutes of Health in the Office of Intramural Training and Education, somewhat like the career services role here with, with the trainees at NIH, which means our graduate students that we have here. So we do have PhD students that are participating and doing research towards their doctorate degree, as well as our postdocs that are all here doing research to develop into the next generation of scientists, primarily career development. But one of the things that I, that I know now is some of our postdocs are even considering their PhDs even looking and going back to or continuing on and going to medical school. So lots of different interests. This is a new field for me in that learning more and kind of specializing in the careers for scientists. It's been very exciting. And I'm starting my fifth year here in November. It's just an interesting to me, this topic of, you know, we're always giving advice to people that have made decisions we have not made and go into fields that we maybe can be generalists, we know a little about, but maybe don't have expertise in. And so how do we work on credibility with them? How, how important is credibility when we're working with them, both from our own perspective on credibility, like do we experience imposter syndrome or is it more like convincing them that we're worth talking to about their problems and how we'll be able to help them? It's making me think about my own experience around credibility because my, my first job after getting my career counseling training was working in a school for other people who are getting counseling degrees. So I was working in a placement office. So I often sort of had that feeling of, how do I develop credibility if I'm just like just slightly ahead of these people in their in their time? And so it's also true now that as time has passed, I feel much more comfortable working with people who have disciplines that I will never fully understand, but I understand the process of career development, or I've worked enough with people who, are, who have these different disciplines that I can sort of pay attention to certain aspects of what they're talking about and maybe unbeknownst to them sort of play down the more the more discipline-specific things they're saying. Well, you know, it's interesting as, I, as you're talking, so many different experiences came to mind. When I started the position here at NIH and I started, all of a sudden I realized that a lot of the careers that scientists are looking at 
you know, it's almost like I had not heard of them before. Honestly, I did not. So I remember a student coming in and they said, I'm interested in a career in the language was omics or technology transfer or something like that. And I'm thinking, okay, so I'm a counseling psychologist and I've worked, you know, and I'm thinking some, not only that is usually I can try to find something I can work with, but I was thinking, I need to really learn what this is. And I kept saying omics and I'm like, I think that's, even right now I'm thinking, did I say it right? And I remember laughing and coming out thinking, okay, so I have some things to do and I need to look to see who's coming in before, <laughs> before I actually, you know, meet with them so I can start working on that. But that's, that's part of our work and our role. That's what makes it exciting. Yeah, John, I identify with that so much mm -hmm. because my background is history. I got a PhD in history and a, a small fraction of the students who I work with are in the humanities. And so for those students, I feel like I totally speak their language, whether they're masters, PhD, doesn't matter the field. But the majority of students I work with are scientists or data scientists or master's students in quantitative programs who are interested in things that I have no personal experience with or prior knowledge of. So I definitely do the same thing in trying to learn the language, mimic the language they use <laughs> during appointments with them. And I had an advising session with a student this morning that totally kind of responds to this issue. And it was uh, a data scientist, actually a recent alum. So it was somebody who had recently completed a master's degree in a data science field. And we ask for people we meet with to send us some information before the appointment, like tell us, you know, about their background a little bit. And he had taken this very seriously and sent a very thorough email. So I was able to prepare. And he, you know, he's like several years into a job as a, um, an IT engineer on campus and then just to this data science degree. And he's talking about, you know, much higher level. He's like mid-career. Um, and I'm thinking like, I know nothing about any of this. How am I going to advise the student and um, this alum? And so the first thing I did, which I don't usually have very much time to prepare, but I took a little time to prepare and did a little bit of research. So I had a couple of concrete ideas to offer him. And then the other thing that I did, which I don't always do, but at the very beginning of the appointment, I said, look, this is not my background. Um, so I am a generalist. I, you know, I can give you some tools and suggest some resources, but I have no experience in this field because I just kind of wanted to to set his expectations and he said that's fine and then you know by the end um this is another thing probably you've learned too john is like there are so many things that transcend all careers and just like general yes. things about networking and gaining experience or um kind of general resources and, and places that people might not have looked and so in the end i was kind of able to bridge that credibility gap as someone with a phd in animal behavior when a student sits down on their resume they talk about you know having expertise in python and in Rhino, you know, the imaging in my head is totally different from the way that they're picturing that. I'm picturing rhinos and, uh, you know, pythons, and I have to sort of rechange my language to make that work. And then my favorite one is when people talk about a sort of an assessment called the, the random forest assessment and some sort of data thing. And every time I see random forests, I have to sort of snap out of this image of a random forest. And I'm sort of in this forest and I'm like, why, why am I in this forest? And then I'm like, no, no, that's, that's not what it's about. Is it enough to say, well, you know, I know this is what you should do without being able to say, and I've done it before, I've experienced before, I can anticipate what you're going to go through if I give you this advice and you follow it. So I love the do as I say, not as I do thing. So let me take a sort of a, a step back from this. So I never used career services as a PhD student. I, I wouldn't even know where the office was. I went to one career fair. And I found it very traumatic walking around. I didn't know why I was there. I didn't know what people wanted. Every time I got to a table and someone looked at me, I would walk off because I didn't 
they scared me off by looking at me, talking at me with, you know, as a, don't talk to me, I'm just here, I don't know what I'm doing here. And yet I love telling people what to do, not necessarily because I say I, sh I should have done it better, but because I say, I know this is important, right? So with a little bit more knowledge, uh, I can see why, why it's there. I'll reframe sort of Roseanne's question as well. Do people care if, I, if we as individuals have done the things that we are telling people to do? Do you ever need to say I, I've done this or, or, or do people actually care? Do they care more about what people like them have done? So what are the, what are other students are doing versus what you as an individual are doing? What, what are your thoughts on, the, on that one? Yeah, I mean, I think it really depends on the student and some students I think care more than others about that. I've kind of been reflecting on this lately that this is my second incarnation as a career counselor. So I, I finished my PhD in 2012. And then I was kind of like Roseanne where I, from 2013 to 2014, I worked as a career advisor at Columbia when I was again, yeah, like a year ahead of them basically. And, and that was the only experience I had. And now I find, and then I did something else for five and a half years and now I'm back. And so I feel like now some of it is just like being a little older even that I feel like that like automatically gives me more credibility that I'm older and have more life experience, even if I haven't done the particular thing. Um, a lot of students I work with are international. And so for them, even just being an American and being able to kind of tell them a little bit about like the cultural norms here is valuable. I definitely try to kind of read the student and recognize the things or even just like the broader perspective I have not uh, just not being them, you know, being able to like view their situation from the outside. But there's one thing in particular that is a real like do as I say, not as I do, which sometimes I share with students and sometimes I don't. And that is that this is the fifth job I've gotten since finishing my PhD in 2012. Mm -hmm. And I've never gotten a single job through networking. And sometimes, so, you know, I spend a lot of my time convincing students to network and telling them about the importance of networking and telling them to do informational interviews. And um, I did do informational interviews for one of my job searches, but it didn't really lead in any direct way to the job I ended up getting. But so I usually don't share that with students, but the time when I do sometimes share it is like a student who like really gets nervous about the idea of networking. And so, you know, no matter how much we talk about it, no, how much I, no matter how much I try to demystify it and make it not scary and just talking to people and making friends that sometimes they're still just so nervous about. It. And then, then I'll say, look, like there are also other ways to get a job too. Like this isn't the be all and end all because sometimes students I think think it's too important. And if they don't have a network, they'll never ever find something. You know what, I'm thinking about this question uh, when you asked it, Roseanne. The one reaction I have is I seldom tell people what to do. <laughs> so when you had said that, I'm thinking, well, I, th I would probably not say that. When you had mentioned imposter fears or concerns, I think that's something that, and uh, certainly it happens all through my career, but I remember before I say I don't know something, is that really true? That's kind of working with imposter fear. You know, what do I know and what's this person coming for? They might say they want help in this career, but what they're really saying is I need help kind of moving towards and understanding what this career is about and how to approach it. Or they might not know about careers or they're in a place of indecision. But credibility, I think, starts with kind of thinking about how are you credible with the student, the population you have. One thing is if you're in the position, somebody saw that you have some credibility. It might be that you have a PhD or that you've worked with graduate students in the past or that you understand career development or that you know career assessments or things like that, there is a place that you have some kind of foundation and you can use that to start. You know, over the years, there haven't been a lot of people for students to just sit down and talk about career development and their next steps with. There's use the faculty or mentoring, but sometimes they don't know all the details to get there. They need a roadmap and someone to guide the conversation. Like if I'm gonna start thinking about this, what are some of the things I can start thinking about 
before I say I don't know something, I might say, you know, there's a lot of different careers that scientists go into, and I might it might lead me to a discussion about transferable skills, but you have something you're interested in. What interests you in about this career? Even if I don't know, they might say, well, and then they go into and tell you the whole thing about the career, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh yeah, now I know something about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but still, you can kind of have a launching pad to kind of start with that, and then set up an appointment with them next time you can go do some more work. The other tr trick that I had with that, it's not even really a trick, it's just a thought is, when they schedule an appointment with you, maybe before they come in or even have a, now that we have the online system, maybe there's a way they can fill out a little brief half-page survey, you know, your name, your background, what brings you in, what careers are you interested in, and then have them fill that out so that you, when you go on, look at it a day or two in advance. So you can kind of quick go and do some research. You can kind of have an idea so you don't kind of have to say, I actually don't, I know nothing about it, but that does happen. But really, there are some things that when you think about it, you really can help in other ways to get that conversation started, help them feel comfortable, and then you can meet with them several times. Yeah. So that would be my way to kind of think about credibility comes from not only knowledge about a job or a career, but about a process and about some ways to get there. We also are in networks and GCC is one of them. So there's other people in GCC I've reached out to over the years to help me figure out knowledge about academic, non-academic, or the whole plethora of different careers that, a rainbow of different careers that people can go into as well. Yeah. So it sounds like, John, that one of the things that you'd like on your, your sort of intake form is, what is the most complicated word you're likely to use in this appointment? And how do you pronounce it? Yeah, I haven't used that one before, but maybe I will. So this is why it's good to talk to GCC people. Yeah. <laughs> you get creative approaches to things. <laughs> The, the times that I've got, I would say, negative feedback that connects to, let's say, credibility in a field is on the, you know, the anonymous uh, student assessments after our appointments where someone says, you know, the advisor didn't seem to know anything about my field. Uh -huh. And because they're anonymous, I never know exactly who it is. But usually, you know, I sort of pin it down to the person who, who's in a very specific field, who's looking for a very specific thing, who wants one website that has all the jobs on that thing and wants to know which company they should work for. And you know, the, I'm more than happy to talk around and in and throughout and provide all these other resources, but there is actually no answer to that question, right? So it's, it's a question that it's a incredible question. Is that the right way of using incredible? So I understand that I could always be better. I could always know more, but sometimes I think there's also a, you know, a mismatched expectation about that. And, and that, you know, that's what got me thinking about some of these questions. Make sure you mentioned the sort of the data science role. We're, we're in a, a, a sort of a realm now where there are so many evolving fields that if you don't have daily exposure to this, I mean, you can do employer interaction, you can do alumni interaction, but you'll still miss out on the vast number of roles that are out there. So because you know careers are changing so much, how do people stay on track with knowing enough about it to be, you know, to be informative? That's sort of, a, I guess, a follow-on question from that. I always say the GCC membership is often some of the most helpful with these in that, like for me years ago, I was like, I will say more generalist where I was working with within a morning, I could see someone from music, humanities, sciences and everything. Now everything's sciences. So that was a fun opportunity to kind of specialize in it. But if there are people talking about careers in your office, for example, Joe, in the science or something that you haven't heard about, a reach out to a GCC member like me to say this is, could you have a few minutes to do an, to talk to me about what you might know about this means I could point you to a whole bunch of resources, a lot of them right on our website. It feels like you have to answer the student, but you might really, it's like, 
you know, with this, I'm in a, I'm a professional, I'm in a network of professionals where we can find more information about this. But the other piece that I want to say is a lot of the times when you get that feedback on the evaluation, it's because the students, this is the way I approach it, because probably because of my background in counseling psychology and career development is we have to help them and build their confidence to go out and find the information on their own, because as soon as they graduate, we're not there. And they could go on to the next job and then they have to go on to another job and they won't have the skills and abilities or knowledge of how to research. So I just have two more thoughts about credibility. One is that credibility and just of what you were saying about like kind of convincing a student that you're worth listening to, which is like sometimes I'm not. And sometimes, you know, part of what I try to do too is just give students the tools and resources that will be helpful. And sometimes it just kind of becomes apparent, I think, to both of us that I'm probably not the best resource and I can, you know, can help them think of other people. So I do spend a lot of time too, like telling students, you know, talk to your program director or your advisor, you know, you need to do informational interviews because I don't have the answers to these specific questions about the industry. And so trying to encourage the student to, and give them the tools to go elsewhere. Um, and then the other thing about credibility too, is I mean, for, in my role, and probably for all of you and a lot of other GCC members, it's not only credibility with students, but credibility around campus and credibility with faculty, with other administrators around campus. So that's definitely something that um, I haven't been, you know, I've only been in my position for six months and it's definitely something that I know is going to take a long time to, you know, establish relationships and, and, you know, establish this office and, and establish that credibility that I, you know, that our office is a worthwhile resource for their students and that we know what we're talking about. I was thinking about when you were saying credibility around campus at Northwestern years ago, I was one of the people that started the career counseling for graduate students there. And what helped is when I started, one of the things to think about who are my allies? Like, do you have, do you know someone in the grad division? Is the person you report to well-connected? Like I reported to the vice president for student affairs for a little bit, and he had already established some connections with these different departments. And so he was doing a lot of introducing me and making sure, and then coming together and coming up with a group of workshops and it's credibility kind of starts building. I need to develop this kind of relationship with the Center for Teaching and Learning because they have some resources that I can refer to and by, they can also refer to me and different things like that. That can be helpful. When you're starting and you don't have that, then you kind of have to start off and think about who would I like to who are departments. And that might be some informational interviewing with other GCC members. And you can figure out, how, listen to how they did it, some informational interviewing, and then kind of put together your plan. When you were talking about your own experience, Rachel, of not having used networking, I feel like our own life experiences help us develop empathy, right? So it's like, you understand what it's like to go through that process and maybe avoid something, or, I mean, I don't know if you actively avoided it or not, but it's sort of like you didn't do the thing you're advising, but it's about how much do we share about our own experience? Like we can have the empathy and we can know, okay, what you need to know is use your research skills. You guys are all researchers. Go ahead and apply that to your career development and we know you can do it. Even though you're asking me to just give you an answer, which is of course not the process, right? But we can have empathy for them. Do we share from our own experiences what we've done? Are we ourselves? At this point, I, I do, um, I share my own experience when I think it's relevant. And I, I've never had that go badly. I always find students really respond to it. and like, oh, wow, you know, you, you were here, you went through this. And so, and I used to do that the last time I was a career advisor as well, that I would share my own exploration process or job search process 
Um, and I always found that to be helpful. One thing I struggle with is, you know, I do know a lot more about some fields than others. I, I, and I know, you know, sometimes I do, I can kind of hand people fish and I can, you know, tell them, okay, these are a few organizations you should check out. Like those are, you know, sometimes I even like have people I can connect them to. Um, and I struggle sometimes with whether that's okay. Um, because on the one hand, like if I have that information, I can really help a student I want to, but then I feel like I'm not serving all students equally because some students are just so outside of my own realm of knowledge and experience that I can't offer that kind of firsthand help. So I think I do it because I, because I kind of end up bearing on the side of, okay, I, you know, if I can help these students, I want to help them as much as I can, but it's definitely something that I continue to kind of struggle with and question. I think I often run into this from a slightly different perspective when someone comes in and they're like really excited about a finance job, for example, and I'm like, finance sounds terrible. <laughs> and, you know, there are some jobs that people go into like, that's a great job, you should definitely do that. And so it's managing my own sort of biases about what 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 is a good job. And it, it's hard sometimes to take you away because I hope I give it, you know, equal footing for, for each of those processes. But I know deep down inside, I'm like, it's uh, not a good job. <laughs> I think I was, that was one of the things I was thinking about relative Joseph is that because of my training and background, my approach is more about I'm going to see what I can do to help my client or the student develop their confidence and their own story. And mine isn't as important as what they're saying. However, there are times when I think it is relevant to share. I tend to share less and want to hear more. But when I do, I'm always thinking about how will this help this person build confidence for themselves. If I'm sharing something from my experience with a client around career professional development, it's less the whole story and what I'm doing, but more, I might share less about it and my opinions or, or if there's a value judgment and more about this is kind of briefly what I understand. And then I would ask them, what are your thoughts about this and get them to kind of talk about it more for, and sometimes they ask specific questions like, they might, many students I work with underrepresented populations or they're, you know, and they're, or diverse populations. They know I've worked with those populations or I am myself. They might ask me questions about what it's, what it's like to be a black man, you know, looking towards a PhD because there aren't that many uh, going into medicine. They might ask specific questions. And if I do have some perspectives, when I'll just share a little bit, you know, a little bit about these are some of my thoughts that I have, these are the things I experienced to keep the conversation going, just to let them know that I can align what you say with empathy. Like I know what it feels like. Like yesterday I had a student who was trying to interview and they were very concerned about, it was kind of like imposter, but they were concerned about with Zoom interviews. This is an example with Zoom group interviews where there's five or six people, you know, on a Zoom at once interviewing you, his personal style was to generally, he had one interview and he said, my style is not to jump in there because I'm, I'm, it's not that I'm shy or I'm quiet, I tend to be very observant. He said, I, is there something you can help me with that? This is a mock interview. And I said, you know, I do have something to share from. And it was something per, from a personal experience when I went through a leadership development program. I had a 360 evaluation. And one of the things that, and through it, we did an MBTI and we had three people evaluating you. And one thing is, is when I got into the, when I got into meetings with business professionals, they said that I got very quiet and they were unclear what that meant. And I remember my mentor in that, in that program said, when those environments, you might kind of, and she used the word, you might go weird on them. And I said, well, what is that? <laughs> and she said, well, it comes across, you might seem like you talk a lot and you're extroverted, but in that environment, you get quiet and you're not that way. And I said, oh, that's probably because 
I'm comfortable listening and being very observant, I, but I'm definitely engaged. And she said, but the people on the outside don't see that. They're assuming that you might not. So long story short, I was able to say the suggestion was get in early, say something early in it, in the middle and at the end, rather than wait till everything at the end or not get a chance to get in there. You're able to increase your credibility in that. That's an example of where I use something from my experience that I thought was helpful. And um, so he's going to report back to me and let me know if that worked. Well, we practiced it a little bit. That's an example of, well, sometimes if you just have a little something that might help move a person, you know, you don't have to go into the whole story about it, but something that might help them. That's a great story. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, 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 and also your points about like how the ways in which you draw on your own experience could change over the course mm -hmm. of your career. And I've found myself lately um, advising some master students actually who are thinking about pursuing a PhD or also like early career or very early on PhD students. And I'm also realizing, um, you know, when I did this the first time around, I was a super fresh recent graduate and had this experience, you know, very recently. And now I entered my PhD program 15 years ago and that was before the 2008 recession. It was before our current recession. And so I am finding that my own experience is becoming less and less relevant, or at least the big picture of my overall experience mm -hmm. is kind of more of those small pieces, like you were saying, John, of like little mm -hmm. things that I can draw on that might be, might resonate with a student. Any last few words that you want to share before we, we close for today? I've benefited from our membership in many ways over the number of years I've been in this. Found several jobs, but reach out. Just like, and even this today, this is to me a new way that we're, we're creating opportunities for our training opportunities for our membership. So more of this. Keep on going. New ideas is great. Yeah, I've never had an email go unanswered from like if I ever you know, reach out to any any GCC person for, you know, someone I don't know, but just for help or a question, I've never, never not gotten a reply. So I totally agree with you, John. So, so does it go credible? And then incredible, you're, you're more incredible. credible, you're so credible that you're incredible. Is there an uncredible, anti-credible? <laughs> well, I'm sure there is. <laughs> incredible is a positive, right? It's always a positive. 